Greetings and welcome everyone to HB On Track, Haynes and Boone's podcast series on legal issues in the post-COVID world. My name is Nathan Koppel. I'm the Director of Media Relations at Haynes and Boone and the moderator of On Track. Today is December the 15th and it's our final podcast of the year. We have a special treat today. I'm going to turn the tables on Gil Porter, the usual host of this podcast series, and I'm going to interview him about his impressions and observations as the chair of the firm's COVID-19 task force. In that role, he has a unique vantage point to witness the impact of the pandemic on businesses across many sectors. And I also want to ask Gil about how the pandemic has impacted his day job as a partner with the firm's international financial practice, in which he handles infrastructure projects and other large-scale multinational ventures. Gil, welcome aboard. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to actually have you do the hard work at the beginning of this event. Uh, how about our disclaimer? Yeah, Gil, we can't get going, as you know. Let, let, me, let me turn next to that. So our usual disclaimer, this podcast is for informational purposes only, is not intended to be legal advice, and does not establish an attorney-client relationship. The topics we discuss are subject to change. Legal advice of any nature should be sought from your legal counsel. So, Gil, let's get into this. In March, you were appointed the chair of the firm's COVID-19 task force. For reasons known only to you, you decided to take that role on in addition to, to everything else you do. Did you know what you were getting into? Oh, nobody told me I had a choice. <laughs> Early on, it was pretty evident that we need to do something. This was going to be a pandemic of unprecedented significance, at least in my lifetime. Uh, and so uh, when I was volunteered, I gladly was deemed accepted. Our first challenge was really to take a look at the scale of impact that the COVID was having on our uh, clients and other friends. Since it cut across all the industries and geographies, and the impacts varied based on local transmission rates, differences in governmental responses, and other factors. And this was especially difficult because as an international firm, we had to survey these issues and challenges, not only in each sector, but also in each jurisdiction. And uh, fortunately for me, my job was made a lot easier because the firm assembled a really talented group of task force representatives to make up our task force, cutting across all our primary practices, all of our offices. And that left us with really the goal. Our goal was consistent with core values of the firm, which is that we build deep, trusting relationships through service. Based on that, we wanted to reach out to our clients and other friends of the firm with information that we thought would be helpful and help guide them with any assistance they might need and also to help steer questions to the appropriate person in the firm. It's hard to completely measure the extent of our success, uh, most of which are not recorded in statistics, but statistics is all I've got. So a few of them uh, will give you some sense of what we've accomplished over the last eight months. We've published over 200 client alerts and other articles relevant to how COVID has impacted uh, the legal concerns that people might have and how to address it. We've hosted uh, 25 webinars under our COVID banner. That's over three months. Wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> and podcasts are like this are something new to us. We started that as a result of our efforts to be able to reach out to a larger audience. And this is going to be our 20th podcast of the year. 
In all, I'm told we've had over 75,000 website page page views on our COVID materials. Uh, on our webinars, we've had almost a thousand post-event requests for access to it, the content, and we've had over 3,000 podcast downloads. So I guess we've done the easy part, and there's more to come. We're always looking for new ideas. Uh, <laughs> love to hear ideas, and we're going to continue as long as there's a need. It's really incredible, Gil, to, to, to hear you describe all that. And, and you know, in, in, in law firms, it usually takes many, many months, many committees to do things like launch a podcast. But um, here, we really didn't have the opportunity to sort of catch our breath. The pandemic hit us quickly. And uh, as you mentioned, it was across every sector, every geography, and, and it was just uh, really no time to almost catch our breath, had to really respond in, in a quick way. Well, I'm sure that uh, in this case, hopefully good deeds do go unpunished. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you, what surprised you the most so far as you think back to all, all the work that's been done over the last uh, many months in terms of the, the way this pandemic has impacted the businesses uh, that we advise? Well, I have to say, my first thought goes to a, a slight point of eccentricity. My personal reading habits are an odd mix of history and sci-fi. And if you had told me a year ago that we were going to be hit with a worldwide pandemic lasting a year, government shutdowns of daily life, quarantines and other, and other emergency measures, I would have immediately turned my mind's eye to sci-fi depictions of dystopian futures. So as we look around, for me, the result has been incredibly hopeful. Uh, my greatest surprise has been a positive one through all of this. Despite all the challenges that, the, that we face, the essential resilience of our people, our businesses, and our governments has really shown through. Now, I say that, but things have not gone perfectly. There are considerable hardships on individuals and businesses that have not been addressed, and we do need to be ever mindful of that fact. Uh, Haynes and Boone Employees Partners have made an effort to contribute to this. We've donated to Feeding America and its network of food banks. We've been providing free legal services throughout the COVID-19 pandemic where needed on labor employment issues, employee benefit questions, COVID-19 relief, including the various government programs, food safety, volunteer employment, liability issues, tax, election law, IP, you name it. Uh, and of course, we've been doing all of these COVID uh, informational efforts. But as much as we do, we're only a small force in a much larger scale challenge, and we're always mindful of that. Yeah, I think I, I would say, Gil, it's it's much, uh, I think, more enjoyable to think of viral pandemics as the stuff of science fiction than to live it as, uh, as nonfiction. Um, but it's no longer relegated to sci-fi, unfortunately. Playing off that your last answer there. I mean, what sorts of challenges do you think have been the hardest for businesses to, to surmount so far? Well, I first want to start with a note. Your question, my response, we're both going to focus on impacts to our firm clients. And our clients are primarily businesses. As I've noted before, one thing I believe we always need to be mindful of is the enormous personal impacts that COVID has had on individuals especially on those segments of our population who have historically been underserved. 
As a firm, we were fortunate. Our investment in remote work capability enabled a remarkably smooth transmission transition to an all-remote work environment. I want to stay away from transmissions. That has another meaning. <laughs> but for many businesses, a remote work option is simply not viable. It may work for professional services like ours, but obviously it doesn't work for first responders, manufacturing businesses, food services and restaurants, health services, elder care, and countless other businesses that require a physical presence or a face-to-face -face interaction. So with that preface and subject to that, let me launch to an answer. I would say, in my mind, the unprecedented nature of the pandemic and the uncertainty it's created is certainly the dominant theme of, of how I would address your question. Legal questions reflect that uncertainty. Uh, we have taken an in-depth look at a number of the discrete issues, uh, and discrete may be too narrow a term, quite a range of topics in our webinars, podcasts, client alerts. And I'd encourage all our listeners to just check out our searchable website for particular points they have. But for this discussion, I want to pick two areas. First, the world of contracts, the concept of unknown risk and of what we call force majeure. The idea that an unknown risk can permit a contract party to suspend performance without liability is an important concept, and it has been raised numerous times, but here's the rub. We live in a very highly interdependent world. For each party being relieved of performance or who simply does not or cannot perform, there's at least one other party being left without an essential service or product. And the ripple effect of this continues throughout our economy. It's important for us to be able to look at how to resolve one own, one's own risk or liability and perhaps uh, figure out how to allocate it to another party who's better able to bear that risk. But this, we also have to keep in mind, it doesn't resolve the larger impact. Insurance may or may not cover some of these risks, and that's something that I know we've also helped our clients with. In addition, at least as important as the discrete issues of contract performance may come up, there's an overarching theme here. For over 30 years, the concept of free trade and predictability of contracts has created a market economy based on an underlying practice of just-in-time delivery capability for businesses and their suppliers. When that system does not survive a pandemic, the question is, do you adapt? And the next question is, if so, how do you adapt? Is that going to involve less reliance on single geographic markets for supply? We've heard about uh, notions of balkanization of suppliers spreading out throughout the globe to, to, so to minimize risk of any one location. Will we return to integrated models of business vertically or horizontally? What other ideas out, are there? The responses are likely to vary with each industry or business. And all this flows from just simple questions of contract. The second area I would touch on is employment labor law and how we address uncertainty in the way, various ways that comes up. Can people work remotely is sort of a first question, but then what about the unequal abilities of people to perform remotely due to personal factors or disabilities? If you're not working remotely, what protections are reasonable and necessary for workplace health and safety? When does a well-intentioned protection, like perhaps the vaccine, become an invasive or unreasonable requirement? 
if layoffs or furloughs are necessary and there are subsequent rehirings or changes in workforce needs, how do we address that in a manner that does not result in a discriminatory or other wrongful conduct, often inadvertently? And there are countless other examples of these. I've just touched on these. We haven't touched, for instance, on huge issues in terms of education and social services and a number of other topics covered throughout our, our services in our, in our COVID site. We're only just beginning to visualize the post-COVID world and the extent to which this experience will have longer-term social and business ramifications. But uh, at least we have a preliminary handle on it. Uh, what a comprehensive answer there. When you th- think about all the issues that you just outlined, I mean, <clears throat> everything from risk allocation to insurance coverage, you know, uh, the reordering of supply chains, I would think all these will take... Th- kind of months and, and maybe years to re- really figure out, it makes you think there's going to be quite a tail to this uh, pandemic. Well, I'd say the thing that another thing that has impressed me, and we've had some of our some of our business leaders on some of our webinars and other events, and it's impressive the amount of thought that people are giving to all these questions. It sounds almost as it sounds almost insoluble that we have such ripple effects because every answer leads to another question. But I have to say, when you sit down with whether it's the bankers and credit committees I meet with, whether it's other business leaders, the amount of detailed thought analysis and planning that's gone into it already really does inspire me that this is a challenge, but it's a challenge we're well up to. You know, listen to our many podcasts have been struck at times where it feels like uh, in addition to all their normal responsibilities, businesses have almost had to become amateur epidemiologists. And and then you think about all the different regulations they have to work through and and guidelines. There's state, there's federal, there's CDC recommendations and OSHA regulations about what's reasonable for businesses to do. It's a lot to sort through to, to run a business. Well, I always like to joke, and too many people have heard me say this, that in the world of par- in the world of paranoids, it's important to be a professional paranoid, know how to address your issues, or find a professional paranoid who knows how to address it. It's the amateur paranoia that gets you in trouble. <laughs> I guess that's the role the, the role that lawyers are are, are are hired to play is to be professional paranoids. Well, I'm I'm, I'm interested to to ask you as we near the end of 2020. And look ahead to 2021. Um, do you plan to continue in your role as the pandemics are, and, and if so, what do you what do you foresee as 2021 issues and priorities? Well, I think we're going to continue a mix of how we've approached uh, 2020. Part of it is programming based on things that we know will be important, and we are definitely continuing until this is over. That's not a question. But we're going to be planning programming on webinars. We're going to be continuing client alerts. And we also have some handbooks we're working on where we're bringing the alert information together into comprehensive guides. We're going to continue these podcasts, of course, unless my invitation today just completely ruins our listening audience. A standing invitation, Bill. And we're going to look for other ways to reach out. The point here is not to be merely providing information, it's to find an effective means to give it. Now, with all of the planned efforts, we're also going to do things on a 
basis of when things become timely. There will be urgent developments, new legislation, new developments of other sorts. Uh, and when those happen, we're going to schedule additional information to cover that. Uh, it's somewhat more of the same, but the world is ever changing and we adapt. When, when you, I don't know if you can recall in March when you signed on to be chair of the task force, if you had, if you anticipated that role would last weeks, months, did you ever in your wildest imagination think that it would carry on into 2021? You know, I suppose it's a question of the rational and the emotional. The emotional side of me really wanted to believe this was over by the end of the year. And I was really looking forward to putting ourselves out of business as a COVID task force by the end of this year. The rational, though, we have to go back. As early as April and May, we were being told that this was going, that we were only dealing with a first wave and there was a second wave. Now, it may seem like a long time, but I have to say the fact that we actually have vaccines already and that seem to be, uh, based on news reports, remarkably effective really is a good bit of news. Uh, and I'm, I am optimistic that by end of second quarter, we will have evolved to something that's not dealing with COVID at all. Oh, well, that's a wonderful thing to hear. Um, I'm going to ask you a little bit now about your day job, and I'm curious how the pandemic has impacted your practice. Well, it's interesting. My practice is a mixture of joint venture work, project and infrastructure work, and structured lending work. Uh, it's been, to my surprise, a very busy year with a lot of interesting and challenging work. Now, sadly, most of my work is confidential, so I can't be terribly specific. But if it's any comfort, what I consider interesting and challenging would likely bore many of our listeners. So be thankful for the confidentiality in this case. As a general rule, I would say the well-structured transactions have not been greatly affected, though in some cases delayed by necessity. There may It may require things that cannot be performed during COVID. In some cases, people have simply deferred dis important decisions until uh, after this crisis evolves, uh, because why lock yourself in while the circumstances are changing? It has, however, been a very difficult environment for new ideas and new businesses to be implemented, uh, because it's a time when in effect, keeping up consumes all our efforts. Uh, one concern I have is that despite the repeated statements of importance, infrastructure continues to be largely ignored. Now, certainly that's been the case during the COVID uh, crisis because other more pressing needs have taken greater prominence. But there is still an ever-increasing urgency to face this national crisis on a federal level. And I'm hopeful that that will happen in the not-too-distant future. The one message that we have seen quite clear during 2020, though, is that liquidity is king. Cash remains the most powerful tool for businesses to withstand an uncertain world. And we've seen a lot of efforts to build that liquidity as a protection mechanism. So has this overall, um, for the sort of the headwinds you kind of just laid out there, has this slowed the process of deal making? How has it impacted the process of structuring transactions, good and bad? Well, I'd say there are two impacts there. One is, as I've noted, decisions are often deferred 
uh, to a time when people are comfortable making those decisions. And the uncertainty this has created has deferred decisions. But there's other there's another thing that's process, and that's the way we uh, do deal making. Uh, and I'll start with a uh, with a story. And apologies to those of my friends who lived it or remember my telling them about it. Many years ago, and I'll preface this, this was at a different law firm. I was briefly the lawyer in charge of our technology decisions. And we implemented an early stage video technology for all of our partner meetings. Uh, but to the dismay of my firm's management, I emphasized the need that to also maintain our in-person, in-firm travel budget. And this was not well received, so I felt I needed to make the point a little better. At our next partner meeting, I included a life-size poster of our then-President Clinton and placed it at the head of our conference table, uh, it actually in front of a large pile of donuts. Uh, <laughs> uh, and during a part, and during the partner meeting, and of course, everyone immediately wanted an introduction, which I pointed out to them made my point of the limitations of remote video meetings. I was shortly afterwards removed from all of responsibilities involving technology at the firm. Uh, so I made my point, but perhaps I made it in a not socially acceptable manner. <laughs> this concept of remote negotiation, is, it's been well entrenched before COVID-19, but what was informally true already, reliance on remote communication instead of in-person meetings and oversight as a trend, has now matured into the exclusive practice of deal-making. Inability to travel has really cemented our reliance on audio-video communications. Is that good or bad? I don't think that's really the question, but it does have an impact. For complex negotiations, my tradecraft, the most powerful technique for reaching an agreement is an in-person meeting where everyone is 100% focused on the task. You cannot achieve that level of intensity and the trust building, the partner partnering necessary for compromise as quickly in a remote communication environment. My personal belief is that the bigger and more urgent the problem, the more important it is for in-person meetings to resolve those problems. But I think we have to recognize that this COVID environment has accelerated the pace at which that's the rarity that's the exception, not the rule. Uh, and we're increasingly relying on remote communication and perhaps a more difficult environment to resolve the bigger problems. It's just hard to ratchet up the, the sense of urgency when you when you can't have that in-person meeting. Although I guess we hope there will be a time pretty soon when, we, when, when you'll have that, that nuclear option. And as urgent as a matter may be, the ability to really build the rapport between people on an important point where where it's going to hurt perhaps both sides, that's a little harder to do remotely. I'm, I'm curious, Gil, that the you know the technology has only gotten better than when you were the head of the technology task force, I guess. Um, so uh, how how long ago was that, if I may ask? Well, I've told you about the president at the time. I don't want to be more specific, lest you figure out the law firm. <laughs> um, Speaking of presidents, that brings me to my next question. On top of the many other uncertainties and questions out there for businesses, we're on the cusp of a new presidential administration. Um, and does that add a whole other level of uncertainty to the economic and regulatory picture for businesses? 
Well, first I should respond that uh, we've actually set up in our firm an administration transition task force headed by my partner, Joseph Mittal, in our D.C. office. And I'm a small part of that effort, but I'm confident you're going to be hearing from them over the next months in a lot more detail on just that point. But with deference to their more detailed insights that will be coming, I'll make a few observations uh, we've, we're just coming off of having experienced a four-year period of truly disruptive change in terms of federal le- legislation and oversight, much of which candidly was viewed by many of us as having an uncertain future because of issues in the administrative processes, the sheer scale of changes, critical court decisions, and of course, the limited term of any presidential administration. This uncertainty has now been punctuated with a pandemic of unprecedented scope. And frankly, I don't see how the new administration can add much to the level of the uncertainty that has accumulated at this point. Now, let me be clear. I'm not talking about politics, the merits or demerits of any political objectives of this past administration or the next one. I'm speaking about something that's even more important, which is process the ability to extrapolate how the government will address questions and issues based on established procedures. Business planning and legal advice is more reliant on that process than on any political agenda. The new administration seems to have taken that into consideration. It seems to be very much focused on building in, uh, with established vet- veterans in all important cabinet positions, people who can hit the ground running, And they'll likely continue that trend throughout the administration hiring process. The clear message is that the administration wants to be focused on reestablishing the expected norms of an experienced and functional administration. In addition, we have something that, again, politics aside, uh, is typically attractive to businesses. We have a split between the presidency and the Senate or if not a split, at least an extremely narrow margin of alignment, since we still have two Senate seats out there for deciding. I don't see that as changing the business environment, which is, uh, which is one that they see as attractive to a stable outlook on government policies. All of this means that I expect the combination of this return to normalcy is going to be much more important than the question of a changing of administration or of politics. I guess I've heard it said before, what businesses crave most of all is just certainty. Um, whatever the rules are, they can they can work around them, but they do want a certainty to, um, especially now, I guess. And so as, long, as soon as we can achieve that, all the better. Businesses and legal advice all uh, are much more comfortable in an area where you know the process and can be more confident. Gil, before I let you go, any any final thoughts to add? Well, I think I'm actually very optimistic about 2021. I think that we are moving, I like to describe it as we're moving from a difficult problem narrative uh, where we had to figure out how this pandemic was going to impact us and to a good problem narrative. How do we get back to business and how are those businesses going to change? I think that uh, we'll see 2021 increasingly being positive in terms of businesses that reopening, hiring and rehiring of people. How are businesses going to recombine? I don't know, but there's going to be 
progress and there's going to be growth. Uh, with that will be problems. But as I say, these are the right kinds of problems to have. And I'm looking forward to that in 2021. Uh, it's a nice, sunny, and expansive note to end on, Gil. Thank you very much, and I look forward to another opportunity to interview you next year. Um, I want to thank our listeners for joining us today. As always, you can find this episode and prior on-track episodes at our COVID-19 Resource Center, which is at haynesboon.com. And there you will, you will find many other articles, webinars, and content on COVID-19 issues and, and other topics. Um, as Gil discussed today, we will continue to update our resource center throughout the course of the pandemic. So please stay tuned. And also, as Gil mentioned, we are creating an administration transition task force to advise our clients on, on the legal and business issues raised by the impending presidential transition. So please be on the lookout for information related to that, which we will also post at haynesandboone.com. And on that note, I just want to wish everyone a healthy, joyous end to, to this very challenging year. We very much look forward to joining you in the new year. Take care, all.